On today's episode, walking the injury prevention tightrope. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. back thanks for joining me on another episode uh it's a nice early sunday morning here so my voice is a little bit husky than usual and today we're diving into a um, concept that an analogy that i've been playing around with i've been um, thinking about it a fair bit as i'm uh, writing it for the book and exactly where to put it in the book and trying to flesh it out as best i can and i have mentioned it here and there on the podcast and um, decided to commit an entire episode, a full episode to it once I've like totally thought it through, fleshed it out. And um, it's kind of like the iceberg analogy that I had in the first 10 episodes. And I've had various, various feedback from that particular analogy, most of it positive, some of it was some people were saying that oh, I didn't really get it for the first couple. It was kind of weird, wasn't it? But then as the episodes went on, they're like, okay, it's just starting to make a lot of sense. And so based on people's feedback, I think when it comes to introducing certain concepts and certain analogies, it might take a couple of times for me to explain something. And then all of a sudden, just one particular analogy or explaining it a different way, and it just resonates with someone. And they're like, oh, now I get it. And sometimes it takes, you know, when it comes to injury prevention, running performance, all these things, it's um, can get quite technical. And it's my job as a podcast host to try and communicate these concepts in a simple way because this podcast is addressed to runners, recreational runners like you who haven't had a scientific background and not uh, delved or experienced with like the biomechanics and the kinetics and all these uh, fancy concepts. And not only am I trying my best to um, deliver this to runners that don't have any training or experience with the science, but because it's a purely audio based platform, it's, my attempt to try and, um, I guess, the communication skills and the verbal delivery of sometimes complex um, topics can be quite challenging, but that's my job. <laughs> so this is why I've decided to come up with this analogy. It's something that I kind of just played around with um, last year and just sort of mentioned it a couple of times on the podcast. And like I said, had given it some more thought, 
given it some more legs, fully fleshed it out. I wouldn't say fully fleshed out. I'd say it's at a stage where it's, it's worth pondering and it's worth having enough like different examples, different elements to this concept in order for you to like really think about it and really think about your own running and are there certain aspects that you could um, add? Are there any certain aspects that you could modify or progress? And let's dive into it. So if you haven't heard of me briefly explaining it, sprinkling it into episodes here and there, imagine you are a tightrope walker and when you are walking on this tightrope, you need to consider a few elements. The first one that you should consider is the distance or the length of the rope. And this is, uh, I'll talk about this in a second, but this is more representing of the destination or the running goal that you have. So you could have, uh, I could imagine like a really um, tight um, rope that's, you know, a couple of meters long, maybe five meters long, or you could have a really long rope that's crossing a gorge um, or, you know, the Grand Canyon or something, depending on how large, how ambitious your goal is and how far into the distance it is. So that's one element. It's considering, you know, the length of your goal or the length um, of your tightrope or how long you want that journey to be. A tightrope walker also has a balance bar, that very long bar that they hold and it, you know, just spreads out on both sides and it, it allows the tightrope walker to remain. Um, it just aids with the balance. The longer that rope or the longer that bar, the easier it is to keep balanced and sort of counterbalance and uh, remain steady. That's the second element. The third element is the makeup of the rope itself. So the rope can have um, different widths associated with it. It could be um, mixed in with a couple of different ropes. It could widen into say like a beam, um, which obviously makes it a lot easier to remain balanced. So that's the third element. The fourth is just the experience of the tightrope walker. They could have, you know, no matter what their balance beam, no matter how wide it is, if they're really experienced, if they're a really good tightrope walker, they're um, in a safer condition than someone who's a complete novice. And then the fifth element, which is the um, the biggest one that you kind of want to think about, it is the wind conditions. And if you are crossing, like I say, that Grand Canyon, that gorge, you want to make sure that you um, are very careful and pay attention, close attention to those windy conditions because... If there is uh, some gusts, if there is a, a high windy day, um, this will represent, I'll talk about this in a second, this will represent your higher, um, like your training loads. Um, and if you fall off, that represents an injury. So we want to keep all this into consideration. We want to um, del- delve into all of these five elements because like I said, the final destination um of this tightrope represents your goal, like achieving your goal. So you might have, say, a marathon uh, compared to if you wanted to just get started and wanted to do a 5K continuous. Based on your starting point and based on the goal that you have, that just lays out the length of the rope, the journey that you want to complete. Um, the Like I said before, the wind represents your training. So if you 
are well adapted. Let's just say you have ran three marathons um, in the past 12 months and you just want to run a fourth. So you're very capable of doing it and you're injury-free at the moment. You had all those marathons injury-free and then you just want to move ahead to the next one. There's no major uptick in um, in the goal that you have or there's no major uptick in the demands that you're placing upon it. So then in this scenario, the breeze will be quite light. Conditions will be fair because you're just not pushing yourself. You're not challenging yourself beyond your own capabilities. So a very light breeze, if there's any breeze at all. And on the opposite side of that, if you do decide to challenge yourself and you do have a, a quite ambitious goal and you're ramping up your intensity, ramping up your mileage, the breeze is going to get harder. There's going to be more gusts associated with that. And like I said before, if you fall off, there is a safety harness. So you're not falling to your death. <laughs> um, but if you do fall off, that signifies an injury or developing an injury. And so we want to treat this as safely as possible. Um, if that is so your goal for injury prevention, then we want to uh, make sure that we have everything in place the safest way possible to get your journey, get to the other end of that journey. So um, we will, now that we understand all of those, we can kind of flip the switch and talk about running and how this all translates into running because I've got a, a few really nice concepts I want to talk about. Um, but let's focus on like the basic concepts to start with and then we'll get a little bit more complicated. So the goal you have, um, big goals are fun and we do like pushing ourselves. Runners, uh, just in general, they're just like, pushing for the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing. It's just a very common um, career, I guess, development is, you know, you want to do a 5K, 10K, then a half marathon, then a full marathon. And then you might want to beat your marathon PB or you might want to go into ultras or you might want to do two marathons in 12 months rather than one or you then want to go into triathlons or Ironmans. Like there's, there's a next goal and progression along that a lot of people usually take. So just keep in mind that the longer the rope, which is stretching beyond your capabilities, is not necessarily the distance, but it's the um, stretch beyond your own capabilities. How, how much are you trying to breach? How much are you trying to progress? And so if you're going from a half marathon to a full marathon, that's going to be a little bit of a stretch. Um, it's going to be more of a stretch if you go from 5K to a marathon. But if you go from a, a 5K to a 10K, even though the distance is still double, it's still a little bit more achievable. So the rope and the length of your journey would be shorter. So don't think about it in terms of distance. Think about it in terms of um, exceeding your own capabilities, how much you need to adapt and how challenging it is currently for you to achieve that goal. So that would lengthen out the rope and that distance. And the longer the rope is, if you have to try and cross the Grand Canyon, it's going to be more vulnerable to swaying. It's going to be more vulnerable to little shakes and little, like if there's just a little breeze, there's going to be a, a big wobble in that rope compared to if it's really um, tight and taut and it's only five meters long, any sort of breeze, if you're in the middle of that journey, it's still going to remain quite rigid and quite stiff. Whereas in the middle of that big journey, 
it's really susceptible to a lot of swaying. Um, so just bear that in mind. The bigger the goal is, uh, and being patient with smaller ropes, I kind of just builds up your experience. And we know that, uh, that, that element number four, the experience of the tightrope walker, you can just do a series of five meter long walks. And you know, the, if your next goal is to go from 5k to say 8k, that's just a small rope. And then if you achieve that and you say, all right, let me go from 8k to 10k and then 10 to 15 and then 15 to 21. If you just slowly pay attention to that and achieve that goal in a nice controlled manner, it takes a lot of time, takes a lot of patience, but you're building up experience along the way rather than a novice saying, I want to prepare for a marathon and build up a lot quicker then that that experience is going to not really be there and you'll be a bit shaky and you might have all the equipment available and all the right things in place but you might still you might still encounter a lot of trouble halfway through that journey if you haven't really experienced that sort of um, demand before and an experienced tightrope walker is going to be a little bit more calm a little bit more relaxed if there's a breeze that comes they can handle a little bit better because they've been here before and they can, odds are they can negotiate that better than a novice tightrope walker. So you can just have these little mini goals and um, continue building up. But a lot of times what I've seen, runners don't aren't that patient. They don't like spending a long time um, trying to achieve a goal. They want to just do it in the fastest way possible. That's why, why it's a dangerous sport. <laughs> so that's things that you need to consider with the length of the goal or the length of this rope that we need to to cross to complete our journey. The balance bar is something that I really want to um, pay close attention to because in this analogy, obviously the longer the balance bar that you have, the more stable you are. You can counterbalance and if a gust comes, you can just adjust the height of one side or another of that balance bar and you can remain relatively stable. You've probably seen um, images of tightrope walkers walking across like buildings, like skyscrapers, and it's a long rope, a long journey, but they have a really long balance bar and it's super light and it's like, you know, six, seven, 10 meters long. And they just, as they feel like they need to adjust, they just slowly start tipping up one side, tipping up the other side just so they can stay upright and the longer that bar, the easier it is to... Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. Stabilize. And so in this analogy, there are factors that can lengthen your balance bar. And I call these like your, your intrinsic factors. So a type rope walker has a capacity in this analogy to lengthen or shorten their balance bar. And with these intrinsic factors, this is um, everything to do with your recovery, your strength, your sleep, uh, your diet, your stress management, everything that's internally um, processed in order for you to remain on that bar because we, again, we want to remain injury free. We want to complete this journey in the safest way possible. 
if you have these right tools and capabilities, if you had the potential to lengthen your bar in between this journey or at the start of this journey, you'd probably want to do it. So this is, if you have a running journey, you want to make sure based on the demands that you have, that you are very well recovered, that you have the right strength, you have the right endurance, like your body is physically capable of doing this. You're sleeping well, your stress management's under control, you've got the right diet, hydration, everything within that. Now, you might not need a really long balance bar if it's a four meter, really tight um, rope that's in relatively fair conditions. That might not be a high priority for you because the journey doesn't really require that. But if you do have a large journey with a large volume and a large trip, then a balance, a large balance bar, a really long balance bar is crucial. And so that's when you want to establish a really nice recovery. And this could change throughout the journey. Like in this analogy, if you get halfway through that, um, if you are halfway through that journey and you're crossing that Grand Canyon and then your balance bar starts shrinking, that's a cause of concern, particularly if the gusts start coming and your balance bar starts shrinking. You want to start changing something because you're on dire straits and you are, you know, the likelihood of you falling off starts to dramatically increase. And so make sure you're well recovered. Make sure you have the right capabilities, the, the sleep, the stress, the diet, the nutrition, the hydration, everything's lined up correctly and really get that bar as long as you can. The next one I want to talk about is the width of the rope. And this is where like, you know, the, the idea of the concept, like with this balance bar and the rope kind of changing throughout the journey doesn't really match a realistic tightrope walk up, but let's just use our imagination, our creativity a little bit. So the, just like the balance bar can change, um, can lengthen and shorten throughout your journey, the width of the rope can also change. It can become really narrow, become really thin or quite thick and stable. So the width of the rope is manipulated by external factors. So while the balance bar has its internal factors, the, um, the width of the rope has external factors. So I have a few examples of external factors. We have uh, optimal cadence. We know that certain uh, cadence can increase uh, ground reaction force, braking force, like vertical oscillations. We know that there's a low, if you have a really low cadence, lower than your optimal, then it's just less efficient. You're just a less efficient runner and um, it's best that you probably increase that. And we know I've done episodes on cadence before. Generally speaking, for most runners out there, between 165, 185 is... um, a safer range for some their optimal cadence might be up close to the one eighties for others. It might be close to the one sixty eights, something along those lines. Again, it's another topic for discussion, but some people might be in the one fifties, one fifty five. I had a, a runner the other day, it was at one fifty one. And so, uh, that will be less ideal when it comes to the width of the rope. Um, so optimal cadence, optimal step width I've put in here. I believe that a really narrow or crossover step width is, uh, less optimal for runners. And 
which is fine, but it does contribute to a thinner um, rope. The other one I had is just ground reaction force, which uh, has been linked to some certain types of injuries like shin splints and uh, stress fractures, tibial stress fractures. So that's less ideal if you're just hitting the ground quite hard and a lower cadence would um, sort of be linked in with that. Overreaching, again, with a lower cadence, people overreach when they first initially make contact with the ground. So when it's just how far in front of your center of gravity the foot contacts when you yeah, when you first make contact with the ground. Um, I've put body weight in here. Like if you have, if you're what more heavy set, um, not sure if that's in the intrinsic or extrinsic factors, probably intrinsic. Um, but we do know with some studies that heavier people, I think it was higher than 75 kilos. Um, let me go to pounds, two kilograms. So if you 75... So 165 pounds, um, if you are heavier because of the ground reaction force, because of the, the multiplication of body weight of force that goes through your body, you know, heavier runners tend to not fare as well, which is fine. Um, if you take care of all these other components, um, but is a factor is something in there. So that is the width of your rope. There are certain external factors that can make it quite thin or make it quite wide. And obviously the wider we, we have it, the better we can manage. The fourth one is just the capabilities of the runner or the experience of the type rope walker. Um, just general experience. Have you been doing it for years? Have you been doing it for months, for days? Um, What's your strength like? What previous experience have you had? Like me starting as a runner, I had a background of basketball. I had um, been doing gym for several years. So I had a certain, um, no experience in long distance running, but had certain carryover capabilities or certain carryover strength and endurance. Someone else might be sedentary for 12 months. And then they've just started getting into running. Oh, let me give this a try. And they have zero experience, zero, or I wouldn't say zero strength, but not a lot of strength. Um, very tough to handle the loads on the body. And they can have an optimal cadence. They can have an optimal step width. They can um, have a perfect kind of running mechanics. Their body weight's probably looking quite nice. Um, but if they haven't had that experience, then the likelihood of them staying on that rope is, um, you know, the odds are against them. So you need to take very careful. If someone hasn't ever done a tight rope walk before, you wouldn't get them to cross a, a chasm. You wouldn't get them to cross the Grand Canyon. You'd get them to start with small ropes to start with. Maybe it only takes like three or four steps to get to the other side, um, but they're building up confidence along the way and they're building up skills and they're building up the experience uh, for handling certain things. That's number four. Number five is just the wind. So the wind it, with these basic components, like I said before, increases it, um, it increases with changes in training load. So there might be certain weeks or certain um, periods within your tr uh, within your journey where you're increasing your mileage and then having a deload week. Um, maybe there's you're doing hill sessions or hill repeats, and maybe it's only just for a certain day, but 
it's a bit of a change. It's a bit of a, an uptick. And so you might be trying to hold your balance beam and trying to cross this um, whatever length journey you have and all of a sudden a gust comes. How much are you able to negotiate that gust of wind that comes through? And some people, if their their beam is quite wide, if their um, if their bar is really long, their balance bar is really long, they can just negotiate that, no worries. And their experience in the past, they've they've encountered these gusts of wind in the past, and they're like, "Yep, this is just what I do when that happens. I just need to adjust the balance bar this way. I just need to position myself like this, and then wait for that to calm down." along they go, they continue walking. And obviously the greater the change, the heavier the wind. So this is the change, not necessarily um, the speed or the terrain or that. It's not necessarily that. It's how much of an abrupt change it is to your experience in the past. So someone could be uh, an ultra runner who's been doing hills for years and they love doing hills. They run up and down hills all week and they just don't break down because they're so used to it. When they go and do hills, that is still a light breeze because that's what they're capable of doing. But if they all of a sudden try to do flat, really fast running and they haven't done much speed work on the flats in a, in a long time, that's going to start increasing that breeze. It's going to start increasing the, the speed of that wind. So it's all just to do with how different and how much of a demand it is beyond your current adaptation zone, beyond your current capabilities. And so, yes, speed work is a factor, distance, either for your long runs or for your weekly mileage, um, hills, terrain, sometimes footwear if you're um, adapted to a certain shoe, but then you decide to swap it out beyond something that's um, within your capabilities and beyond what you've adapted to. So all these things can just manipulate the wind and the speeds and all that sort of stuff. So I've broke down the, the basic components and hopefully this is starting to make sense to you. I'm trying my best to um, tie this all in, but it starts to make sense for what I see runners are doing and when runners are getting injured and why some runners don't get injured. It just makes sense because you know you can set up things really well um, and it significantly reduces your risk of falling. And I hope this is sort of coming across to you. You're looking at all these components and you're thinking, oh, maybe I've, maybe in the past this is one thing that's gone wrong or maybe in the past there's a few things that have gone wrong, um, but there are certain components that you think you've ticked the box really well and you should maintain or, you know, it doesn't really require much improvement. So hopefully you're starting to, this is starting to become a bit of a realisation Maybe you've identified like one thing that just might be really lacking and all the other components are doing well. Because in these scenarios, you could be a runner who has a really small balance bar, like the bar itself is just really short, but a very wide beam. Like you might have a beam that's like the size of your foot, the width of your foot, and you can just like tandem walk really easily along that. doesn't require much effort. Uh, you could have a very thin rope, but your balance beam is super, super long. And, you know, it might take a little bit of adjusting here and there, but you have you have that buffer, that really, really long beam that just you just remain really, really stable. Maybe you have a moderate, um, maybe, maybe you do have, say, a moderate balance bar and a moderate rope. So it's kind of just 
teetering on the risk of falling off, but the winds are really calm. Maybe you just have a really calm demeanor. Maybe your goals are really realistic. Maybe you're only just challenging yourself a little bit here and there every week, just a little bit more, a little bit more. And it's only just enough just to to move your hair and that's it. And it's just like, oh yeah, I can notice that on my face. Um, it's not a threat to sort of push me off. And sometimes you have everything lined up perfectly, but you're still a beginner <laughs> you're still, and you've got no experience and you just need to be careful. You could have a really long beam. You can have a very long balance bar and you can just set off on a really casual um, light journey, light breezes, but sometimes you can just freak out. Sometimes it just... Um, you start getting nervous, you start getting sweaty because it's just you haven't done it before, maybe you're not really familiar with heights and then you start getting really nervous, really shaky. Yep, you, you sort of psych yourself out and in those scenarios, you just need to be really, really careful. So how does this apply to running? You're probably starting to come across, like as I'm talking about these particular scenarios, it's carrying across to like the experience of a runner. So some runners have a horrible running technique on paper or just looking at them, just eyeballing them. They've just got a horrible um, cadence. They're like looking really inefficient. They're kind of sloppy. They've got poor like mechanics and they just don't get injured. Some of them just don't get injured. I know uh, some runners, some friends that just have horrible like pronation, horrible like external rotation. Their arm swings just, yeah, just doesn't look bad and they just don't get injured. And I'm like, why don't they get injured? Well, this is a scenario where their balance beam, uh, their, their rope, their rope is really thin, but they might have a really nice balance beam. Maybe their journey is really short and maybe the winds are really calm. They just don't seem to break down. And some runners just push themselves. I think we all know these type of runners. They just push themselves. They ramp up their mileage quickly. They, um, just have, they go from goal to goal and they build things up and they just don't get injured either. And this is probably because they're doing the other things really, really well. They can handle a lot of wind that comes their way. They can handle like big gusts and just because of their experience, just because of their balance beam, just because of their, um, the pole that they're on, like they could just handle all of that, that gust that comes in. So we, we know these runners and there are, there are some new runners that do everything well and they still develop an injury due to their lack of experience. They just freak themselves out and they fall off. And it's sort of like the, you could have no breeze at all. Like some people are like, I just don't know why I'm injured. There was no change in my mileage. There was just no, um, there was no increase in my intensity. There was no change in my shoes or my terrain. Brody, why did I go wrong? Some people just have lined everything up and they just fall off. That's it. <laughs> That's just one of those scenarios. And I think you can either position yourself or start to self-reflect on a few of a few injuries that have happened in the past. And maybe this is starting to identify a few things. So something that I've talked about before, um, which I'll, I'll kind of highlight again, is that you can change these factors at any time throughout your journey. This is why we need to put in our creativity hat and wear this realistic tightrope um, analogy kind of falls away. But you can widen your rope. You can widen or lengthen your balance bar. You can control the gusts of winds. You can do all these things. You can change all these factors throughout your journey. It doesn't have to necessarily be at the start. It can be in the very middle 
of uh, crossing that Grand Canyon. And if you're pushing yourself towards a goal, if you say, all right, let me take on this risk and let me train for this marathon. And then you get halfway through and then a big gust of wind sends you off balance. You don't fall off, but you, you get quite shaky. It looks like, oh, that was, that was a bit large. That was kind of risky. I don't know if I want to continue doing that again. I don't know if I want to experience that big gust of wind again because next time that might knock me off. And that's when you kind of want to proceed with caution. That's when you want to adjust the elements. And then like throughout your running training, this might be like a little niggle that pops up or maybe you're just feeling really tired. Maybe the legs are getting heavy. Maybe just feeling really stiff. And it's not really an injury just yet, but the body's starting to tell you that, you know, the loads that you're doing is quite hard. So that's just like a little wobble while you're trying to tightrope walk. And the little wobble is a cause of concern. You just want to grow caution to the wind and you want to readjust. I, if I was you and you were, well, if I was a tightrope walker and a big gust of wind came and it sort of just knocked me off balance slightly, I'd want to readjust my goals. I'd want to um, get better sleep and nutrition. I'd want to reduce the, the intensity or reduce the, the training load in some way or another. I just want to adjust these things just so if I'm like, oh, if that gust comes again, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't have a gust like that again. Maybe I just want to dial back that breeze that, that comes through. Or maybe if that breeze comes through, I want to be more equipped. I want to be more equipped for, for handling that next time. So we can do these things. Also, um, if, you're, if we have a, a type rope walker who's constantly falling off, they set a goal, they fall off. They set a goal, they fall off. Um, they keep getting back on and then they keep falling off. It's then time to make some adjustments. It's time to reassess and say, why am I falling off? What are all these elements that I need to consider? All of these, the, the, the rope, the length, the journey, the balance bar, the experience that I have, all these sort of things. Let me reassess and let's uh, increase our odds for success next time. And if a runner is constantly falling off for the same reason, it might be that big gust. It might be just because the the balance bar, you just don't have the right balance bar. It's too short and you just keep falling off every time. If it's because of one particular reason, then that's probably time to um, change something to, uh, it's, it's time to reassess and adjust things. So this is when it comes down to a runner, when I see a runner and you look at their running technique and you say, okay, there's some less optimal um, goals in here. There's some less optimal form things. Maybe it's cadence, maybe it's step width, maybe it's something else, maybe it's an overstride. Should we change that? There are certain um, there are certain forms of running that I'd want to change straight away. It would be an overstride. If someone's really overstriding, you'd change that straight away. If someone's got a really low cadence, you'd change that straight away. But if they don't have that, if they're kind of, if their cadence is okay, if their overstrides like gone, if they have maybe a little narrow step width, is it worth adjusting? Probably not. Um, but if they're constantly getting the same injury, if it's constantly knee pain, but they have an optimal cadence, maybe it's time increasing that cadence a little bit just to see how the knee fares. And say if it's like shin splints, if they're constantly getting shin splints or ITB and 
their um, step width is a little bit narrow, then maybe it's worth widening that step width. It has to come with some justification along with it because if someone had, um, say, a calf injury and they had a narrow step width, it doesn't necessarily correlate between the two. Like widening the step width wouldn't really necessarily reduce the loads on the calf. So it's probably not warranted for change. So it kind of needs to match the two. Um, But back to this analogy. So um, if a runner is constantly falling off and has the same injury over and over, then maybe we have to look at their recovery. Maybe we have to look at their training philosophy. Maybe they're just too much of a go-getter. This is um, creating these unrealistic goals over and over and over again. And just let them know, like risk is another one. It's a topic that I want to talk about today. You know, tightrope walking is dangerous. It's a dangerous sport and you know, if you fall off, you kind of just accept like I'm, I'm participating in a dangerous sport. There are going to be times when I fall off and just like running, like the research shows up to 80% of runners in any given year get injured. And so 80%, it is a dangerous, dangerous sport to participate in. Even if you're a recreational runner um, or if you're like an elite marathon runner, up to 80% of runners. That's what the, the research will show. And so you're participating in a dangerous sport and whatever your goals, whatever your approach, whatever your training philosophy you adopt, um, it's just about weighing up the risks. If you are, if you've just completed a half marathon and you want to train for a full marathon, there's risks associated with that. And so as runners, we kind of really need to have this rational idea. Um, the marathon training has its risks. We have timeframes um, where we allocate those timeframes and we assign certain risks to that time frame. There's no right or wrong. Just recognize and associate the risks and potential benefits if you, do, if you are successful. So it might be a six-month training plan to get you to that marathon. That is less risk to take than training for four months or two months. We're taking on different... Um, we're taking on different risks. And if it seems too risky, I've seen runners like train for marathons that are way too quick. Um, and some of them just don't get injured. Sometimes you can set up a, um, a tightrope walk that is across the Grand Canyon. You can set yourself your bar, which is a little bit wonky. There's a whole bunch of breeze and um, it's a bit of a narrow rope. And some, some people just miraculously just make it to the end. And that is fine. If you were to do that all over again, you know, there's probably a risk you'd still fall off. Um, But some people just take on that risk and some people just get really lucky. And that can be some people when training for marathons, they can just not have the wisdom or the patience or the, um, yeah, the knowledge and just make it. And they've just done it. It was a high risk, but the, the benefit has paid off. And this is, if they were to do it all over again, maybe they, they break down. Maybe they do get injured just because this time the luck wasn't on their side. But as long as we know, we know this, as long as we know that there are risks associated with whatever goals we have planned. Um, and then it's also kind of like, if you do get injured, just realize that this is the risk I took on. And if injuries do start to arise, that's when we can do all these run smarter things where we can, um, try and negotiate it as quickly as possible and then get back 
onto the rope without losing any fitness or without, you know, becoming too shaky and then you continue on your journey. But don't be too down on yourself. Don't be too harsh on yourself. We're very quick to criticize ourselves and blame ourselves, and that's very common in the running community when you are injured. But like I say, it's a dangerous sport. We've taken on these risks. And was it a risky endeavor? Absolutely. Are there things that you can implement to reduce this injury risk? Definitely. So be kind to yourself and just realize that, yes, we are in a little bit of a dangerous sport that we absolutely love. We want to keep continue doing what we love. So either we do it in the safest way possible, or if you don't do it in the safest way possible, just uh, be don't be too hard on yourself when things do go awry. And I've said this on the podcast before, injuries are just a part of the journey. Every injury gives you an opportunity to learn more about yourself, to test patience, to adjust your, or like work on your weak links. And so you're a better tightrope walker next time. And I have a few key takeaways as we finish up today's episode. Um, Don't just consider training loads. Consider all these factors that you have control over. Consider all of the recovery, the goals, the timeframes, running techniques. It's not just about mileage. It's not just about intensity. Consider all these other factors. The second one I have written down here is keep in mind that imperfections are fine. So running technique, there's a whole bunch of different running techniques out there. Some would be considered as less ideal than others. People have different levels of strength, mobility. People have different intensity distributions throughout the week. People have different recovery strategies, but if you are in that less ideal camp, there are other areas in your running that boost you up, that can assist in your performance. And so this is why we see so much of diversity and we see some runners break down, others don't break down and all these added complexities because there are so many roles that are interplaying at once. Third one, If you are considering to take on these risks and then you end up developing an injury, don't be too hard on yourself. And lastly, a tightrope walker should always have a safety harness. (laughs) So when they do fall, they can pull themselves back up or they can drag themselves back to the starting point. Most importantly, they reevaluate the situation and then they try again. Don't continue doing the same mistake over and over and over again. Reevaluate what went wrong reevaluate why you fell off, what element was the most influential to or most contributing to your fall, readjust, reevaluate and go again. This is a sport that we love. It's a sport that we're going to continue doing. Um, And if you're negotiating these injuries in the best way possible, the most efficient way possible, then it's a more happy, fulfilling journey. So hopefully this episode's delivered some insights Because as I say at the end of every solo episode, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. We've got a great interview lined up next time with um, Jay DeSherry. Looking forward to bringing you that and enjoy the rest of your running week. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, 
who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.